Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday here in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu. Joining me today, Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hello. Well, you know... (laughs) Hey, the cook-off is this weekend. Hey! I know. I can smell I can smell the rodeo, the good and the bad parts of the rodeo. So, uh, but, uh, Wait, the animals aren't here yet, are but they? It smells like they're arriving. It smells like they're getting the, here. Some of them are around. Some, some of them are, are definitely yeah. around because the building does not smell like this um, in all the other months, but I'm excited about it. I don't it. want to paint the picture like they just kind of like chickens walk into the <laughs> studio and stuff, and you have the calves. And in the studio, but it's, yeah. Close enough. Well, they don't have chickens here. Get the gatekeepers, here. the people that, you know, man the the gates to entryways to the, the rodeo they they assemble out here uh, right outside the studio and get ready oh, yeah. each day so, those yeah. are they are very good at what yeah they they're do. awesome no doubt do. yeah in All a couple of days we'll yeah. see the smoke and we'll be smelling the barbecue and the Love brisket it. i remember i'm always curious when new players or new coaches arrive here what they think of this whole rodeo setup because it's unlike anything mm-hmm. ever and i was fascinated by it at least for a good decade of living here if you have a visitor to houston that's the thing to bring them to, to bring the them cook-off there. first because they got to see that city that's set up out in the lots and it just looks incredible the first time i saw it i couldn't believe it. every tent has a band virtually <laughs> every tent has unbelievable barbecue it's incredible what it's they one set of the up best months of the year in houston yeah and i think that down. that's kind of that what's that's what leads to the great tailgating that the texans have it's that culture it's mm-hmm. that cook-off culture that happens on game day as well it's not just burgers and brats there's yeah. a lot more menu items here all right in one week we're going to leave this rodeo haven yes and we're le- we're going to arrive in indianapolis and the Looking players will be it. arriving in indianapolis the NFL Combine kicks off on Wednesday. I know the Vandermock 2.0 is out. Drew, you've got... It's 1.0, actually. Oh, sorry. That's 1.0 That's only? one, mm-hmm. yes. I thought you had one before that. No, Are I Are we did. behind this year? No, no, we're not really behind because I can't... I, I'm going to do one before the Combine. I'll do one after the Combine at some point, and maybe I'll do a third if I'm in the mood. I was thinking of doing an all-South Carolina college draft. I, I even mentioned it in Vandermark 1.0. <laughs> what, too, why are you shaking your head? Too gimmicky. No, it, too, although I did too, like you, you should see how his, I, I loved, his choices of players based on names. I loved his. I loved your Vandermark. This you first did? one. It, but I loved it in the sense because one somebody on Twitter responded to the you – know, he tagged us all in it mm-hmm. – responded to it, this is a pipe dream, Vandermark. There's no <laughs> chance any of these guys are going to be – but that's why I loved it because if it, if it were to happen, it would be awesome. And it, it is – I think if there's a spectrum of pipe dreams mm-hmm. to not happening at all, it's probably skewing more towards pipe dreams, but it's not what? it's not totally out of the question of happening. Well, it could because, happen. Well, Greedy Williams is my first round pick. Yeah, I think there's yeah. no way he falls. Huh? I'm not saying that. Okay. I have seen I have seen some where he does fall yeah. there. Aha. Uh-huh. And hey, you get some quarterbacks taken high. It pushes better players it, down. It really board. depends so, on yes. if there's a run on a, one particular position and then people sort of start following that wave. But yep. if the Texans got the first three guys that he, he mocked, mocked to the Texans. I think everybody would be very happy. Oh, there'd yes. be dancing. You think yeah. so? Because I thought that oh, he, yeah. you know people really want to see offensive linemen. Well, he has, he has one of the best one coming to the Texans in the second round. In the second round. Yeah, because he, he dropped. I, I decree That's that he drops to yes. the Texans in the second round. And then I have them taking a tackle late in the – well, let's just all right. Let's draft. just. I'm, I was going to get into it in a little bit, but since we're already in it, let's get into it. Yeah, we talked about it a bit on Friday, but I, you know, I've gotten a lot of reaction to it. Guys on six ten, <laughs> guys not on six ten, guys telling me I'm crazy. <laughs> guys telling like me the they, oh, yeah, you did have, they would you kiss did have Cody me. Ford right from Oklahoma. In the yeah, 
Yeah, because look, there's some question: Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Right. He's going to make somebody happy, but he could drop. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Guys drop all the time. I think people would be happy if he was a first rounder here. There'd be yeah, be, I think they they would. So to be get him in the second, that'd be awesome. Hey, remember when I had Tom Savage in the seventh, and he ends up as a fourth round draft choice? And I don't know if I don't know how much longer he would have lasted had the Texans not taken him in 2014. But you know. I always bring up Savage because that's the one player I got right. No, I was going to say, is he the only player that you've gotten right? Because I've you got, really should go back and check all your mocks to yeah, see if you. If I know I've gotten another one right in recent years, but here's what I do get right very often: the position groups that they pick, roughly in the in the in round the that they pick them. Yeah, roughly. I have two corners and a tackle going in the first three picks. Your third round pick is interesting. Who's that? You've got a wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. We An- need a slot Andy, receiver. Andy mm-hmm. Isabella is kind of an upset pick. Johnny said, Hunter Renfro, why don't you just take him from Clemson, who's a slot-type guy, fast, former walk-on, showed up at 150 pounds. Why don't you take him? Now, I might take him in my next Vandermock, which I'm really thinking is, is going to be Clemson, too. South Carolina. There's a couple of guys from some of the smaller schools in the Palmetto State that are going to get drafted. I might just make it all you Palmetto have, State. You have a seventh-rounder from Citadel? I could possibly do that. Right, right. Yeah, the Citadel, College of Charleston, you know he's Charleston mentally Southern, yeah. mentally tough. All the stereotypes, you know. <laughs> I like that you've got a running back from Iowa State, giving Iowa State some love. Yeah, in, because uh, he's good. That he's, guy, yeah, that guy's going to be a player. I don't know if he's going to drop to the fifth round, but he's, he easily could. Landry Locker told me, as, as he put it well, because I did know this, he said, there are backs for days. You know, and he's right. Yeah, he's right. There are, okay. and it's like a, a variety of them, and they're just they, with all these yep. different skill sets. Yeah, it's so it's a good way. Compa- of intriguing. Smaller than James Conner, but been, but has been compared to him. All right, round six: Wyatt Ray, defensive end, Boston College. Uh-huh. You always pick somebody from Boston. I feel like that's just a lo- that's that's a sentimental. Well, pick. you have to have a formula to the way you draft DP, and you know, <laughs> since Names, it's an, since Clemson, it's an inexact Boston. size, yeah, you go with with your your favorite cities. Uh-huh. You go with names that you like because you're a play-by-play guy. Not you, but I am, so that's how I'm going to do it. So you have to have your draft philosophy here, and that's what comes into play. I like that you go by the names. You've got Trey Pipkins because you want Pipkins. Be, you want to be able to say easy Pickens for Pipkins, which I'm not sure for an O lineman. No, but you that, I make that. that point. If I wish he was a skilled guy, because I would have drafted him in a heartbeat, maybe in round three. That pushed him down to yeah, the later rounds. Yeah, that pushed him down. But he's an O lineman named Pipkins. That's a waste of a good name. How about when you compare these to Drew does this a mock survey yeah. where he sees what everyone across the league, yeah, the writers like and journalists, every week, right? mm-hmm, they put together, much. he puts together what everyone's picking. Are any of Mark's picks among that list? Yeah. Oh, Is yeah. Greedy on Co- there? Cody Ford, no, nobody's had Greedy Williams to the Texans, but Cody Ford has been there a couple weeks ago. He was, he was picked in like four mock drafts to the Texans in the first round as a tackle. Cause Johnny yeah. thinks he could be a guard. They just say they're taking him. You know, yeah. and, and yeah, he could be a tackle, could be a, yeah. They already did that with Rankin. You know, they took a tackle who could be a guard and probably will, will be, be a yeah. guard. So we're going to see that. But I think that Cody Ford is so good that he could play either position, mm-hmm. maybe. That's just my assessment. If he's <laughs> My better, assessment means so much. And if he's good enough to play guard, that means he's he's raising the level of play there. Yeah, so, right. You know, So let's just, ra- let's just get better on the O-line. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be the philosophy. Any upsets in the mock draft? No, nothing the too survey? right. The survey, the survey? No, there's nothing too wild. The, the most, Is it all tackle, Drew? It's mainly tackle. Yeah, Andre Dillard from Washington State over the last two weeks has been the guy that's most mocked. It's probably going to change mm-hmm. you know, a couple more times just because when you're in the 20s, there's so many variables at that point in the draft, it's tougher to predict. So, yeah, tackle, overwhelming favorite, national landscape. But 
the Texans taking a corner is not out of the possibility. I think bottom line with those first three picks, mm-hmm. if they use them the way, if they use them in those those spots, they don't trade them. I think you're going to see what what Mark does. Either two corners and a tackle taken, or two tackles and a corner taken, or two linemen and, and a corner. I'll taken. ask you guys this: tackle or anybody else in the first round? So you get it, it's a betting proposition for fictional purposes and right. entertainment purposes. You get to pick: will they take a tackle or any other position? And we'll put that in a group. So tackle or the field? Which you're going to take? Oh, that's a good way to put it. I would yeah. take tackle. I'll take the field. I could kind of see the field because there's so many good tackles. Yeah, you know, I think you can probably get a pretty good one in the but second they pro- round. But if they've got their eye on somebody and that's the guy they like, well, yeah, yeah, they yeah, of course. Wait. Of course. I, that's why I think that they probably have a good sense of who they want. And There's what also you could take somebody, then take those two second rounders and move up earlier in the second round and say, you know what, we have two second rounders, let's move up in the top half of the second round someplace, and boom, go with a tackle there. If you're a Texans fan, what you want to see on draft in the first round, you want to see as many quarterbacks taken, mm-hmm. super, super high, and as many teams take defensive linemen, because there's a lot of good defensive linemen yeah. in this draft. And you're not going to take one high. You want to keep every every time that position gets taken super high, cheer, because it's pushing somebody <laughs> down yeah. that the Texans that could, really, really need a corner yeah. and or tackle. I mean, you gotta you got to get better there at those spots, and you're going to, but that's, that's where you're going to find some help there. Mark, do you ever remember in recent history, and Drew too, people getting so excited about drafting an offensive tackle in the first round? That's usually not a super no. sexy pick, it's but a I great feel like point. I feel like this year people are the most excited I've ever seen them about offensive. I linemen. think in '08 when Dwayne Brown was drafted, there was an expectation that look they got to get this tackle thing straightened out because they were coming off '07 when they went 500 for the first time, and and forever it was a big concern on this team. They never had the guy Drew. You've talked about how the history of the franchise yeah. changed once they drafted a left tackle, and that draft was weird because they had the 18th pick, as I recall. Then they traded it to Baltimore so they could select Joe Flacco, and the Texans were in year two of the Schaub era, so they were like, we don't need a quarterback. So they dropped down later in the first round, and they took Dwayne Brown, which at the time, look, Johnny admits that he wasn't that high on him at the time, and there were a billion, I think it was the sixth or seventh tackle taken in the first round, and he turned out to be very good, obviously. So there was a, there was some excitement about that. It, it's funny because if they take a tackle in the first round, the draft party's going to erupt like, yes, mm-hmm. tackle, even though it's not a pass catcher or skill position But I feel player. like even in that draft, there were other positions of need. So was it – I'm trying to remember from – it from, always, they had a it, lot of needs. There were a lot of needs, so was it? It wasn't so concentrated on we must get. No, I mean, I think no, they were no. excited. There were there, there were but a couple of different. But positions. people knew it was a need. People knew they needed a tackle, and when they moved out of eighteen, there was a little bit of apprehension at the draft party because there you were, and you're seeing tackle and tackle and tackle go off the board. You think, well, are they going to take one or not? And you're right, it wasn't the only option in the fans' eyes. Draft parties are are unique because. You feel like they'll cheer anything, yet they'll boo anything also because they boo J.J. <laughs> Watt. Some boo. There were yeah, some. Not, let's yeah. not make it like it was an overwhelming. No, it wasn't you know, a chorus. Was the it was like five or six dudes that you heard, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like he was just killed on Well, that night. was a sexy draft early. You know, you yeah. had Alden Smith, who was a, mm. a pretty popular choice. There were a lot of big, choice. big names in that draft. Yeah, you know, and you look at Patrick Peterson, Peterson and, yep. and, you know, there were some names that were coming off the board. You're like, uh, and J.J. Watt, honestly, and he'll admit this, he wasn't one of the sexier names heading into that draft. But I, I think everyone thought, well, they got a really good player. Like, no one knew he was going to be as great as he was, but mm-hmm. a really good player. It's just 
is that what they need? You know, with Wade Phillips coming in, is that what they need? A three-four defensive end? Oh yes, they needed him because very badly. Then the, as news, it turns out. then the news came out. Well, Mario Williams is going to play outside linebacker. So that I think yeah. initially that's why some people were like, huh? And then the, there was a kind of a corresponding move. Hey, he's going to play outside. Right. This guy is probably going to start opposite Antonio Smith at defensive mm-hmm. end. And then he gets up and does a press conference with Wade Phillips because back then the the first round pick would go up with the coordinator on the yes. side of the ball. And so Wade talked. Wade like grabbed sure. JJ's wrist. And like, <laughs> was that your Wade? Yeah, this is, yeah the biggest arms in the draft. Yeah. yeah, he's talking about all the shuttle like because JJ destroyed all those all those combine. Tests. Oh yeah, all the, the measurables, cone, the three cones. The, yeah, the strength, the hand. He destroyed all that. I mean, and. and he works hard. Nobody works harder than JJ, but he is a supreme athlete and a yeah. supremely talented guy as well. It's a combination of the Yeah, two it's things. not like the work ethic is all he's got. Right, he's just right. a high-motor work ethic guy that doesn't have any athletic skill. No, he's a jungle cat, mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes to yeah, athletic terms. Obviously very quick. And that draft, as we remember, was the lockout draft. So yeah. it was like, what? Welcome to the Texans. Now get out of the building. Now we won't see you for yeah. the next. But you know what? I don't think there will ever be a reaction like the one we had in 17 when the Texans moved up so far to take awesome. Deshaun Watson. Yeah. We were all shocked, so surprised. And I think that's why the tackle, everyone's so excited about the tackle because that love for Deshaun is carried yeah, yeah, over. No, naturally. And people want to see him protected. Hey, obviously. I would not completely rule out a move up again. Not like you know, 10, 12 picks, but something they're at 23, right? Sure. If they needed to move up to 16 or something to get a tackle or somebody they really wanted and they part ways with a second-round pick and, you know, maybe both second-round picks they'll have to do. I don't know. I don't know what it would take to move up five to ten spots, but I wouldn't rule that out if they see a player that they absolutely love. Yeah, we still don't have I – don't, I don't know that we have a real beat on – how willing Brian Gain is yep. to trade up, trade down. I think he can be. I think he is going to be willing. But we just don't know. We don't have a track record with him yet. All right. We also don't know how willing is he to place the franchise tag on any particular player. Tagging day begins today. We're more into that. And then also we'll do a quick around the league. A former coach here in Houston ends up in the AFC South. I want to get Mark's thoughts on that. That's all coming up. Texans All Access. Also, John Harris joins us on later on in the show. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Texans All Access. A lot of things happening here in the offseason. Quietly under the radar. One of the things not under the radar, J.J. Watt, first NFL player ever to Grand Marshal, the Daytona 500 over the weekend. I liked his intro. I mean, I grew up in with Indianapolis. With gusto, yeah. With a lot of, yeah, the Indy 500, I mean, they always have the Grand Marshal, and I expected it to be worded the same way. He changed it up. He did it in a J.J. sort of NASCAR voice, mm-hmm. which I or, you know, a race car voice, I guess, but... I think he had a lot of fun doing it. One of my best friends from college, who he's a good, strong Texans fan, uh, he was at the race. He, he's a big NASCAR fan, too. And he was there, and he sent me – I couldn't see J.J., but he recorded it, and there's yeah, video of the stands. Far away. And it sound, J.J. sounded like what he looks like when he comes out of the tunnel. Yes. You know, and it's, I was like, all right, that, that was sounding good. Well, you, like it's, you know, you're dealing with, what, over 100,000 people. Oh, I don't yeah, know what the crowd yeah, is. Yeah. It's huge. Did the race end, by the way? I mean, it's still I think going Denny on. Denny Hamlin won, yeah. Yeah, the footage of the moving car crash, if you will, with all the flames and sparks and everything, it's so frightening. It's, it was such a tremendous image mm-hmm. of that, and I know they had a huge delay and everything. Anyway, good for J.J. A lot making of the fun. Rounds. He's making the rounds this offseason. Yep. I'm sure this won't be the, the last event we see him hosting and many more to come for him. Also, in Florida, Jacksonville – in particular, Mark, Dom Capers, he's going to return to Jacksonville as a senior defensive assistant. I'm not sure if you know this. Obviously, you know him very well. Yes. Coach here in Houston from 2002 to 2005. 
Most everyone knows him as the defensive coordinator in Green Bay from 2009 to 17. Um, and so now he goes back. He comes back to the AFC South. I hate that he's in Jacksonville. Do you really think do. he makes a big dent as a defensive assistant? Do you think it changes the the scheme of what their defense looks like? Uh, he'll help, I think. Dom is very smart, very organized. He'll have good ideas. Dom was there when they went 14-2 in 1999 and lost to the Tennessee Titans oh. in the AFC Championship game. He was their defensive coordinator there under That's Tom right. Coughlin, so they know each other well. In fact, when Coughlin got fired and the Texans were down there playing them, I remember Coughlin came to the hotel, the team hotel, to meet with Dom Capers because he was still living down there or staying down there or whatever. So they have a really good relationship. And, by the way, Coughlin is one of the nicest guys out there. I mean, I, I don't think you would see that based on press conferences and sideline demeanor and everything. Just meeting him in a casual setting, pretty cool. Uh, he huh? was, my wife was at the owners' meetings, and he was there. And her family, they're from New York, so they're huge Giants fans from back in the day. And she snapped a picture with them. And, you know, it's, it's stuff that's okay to do from time right. to time. And she sent it to her dad. He, Tom Coughlin is a sweet guy. He really is. But. Again, you wouldn't know it based on the hard exterior in coaching. He did lighten up a bit with the Giants, of course. The fact that he's in Jacksonville, look, this is a huge year for the entire organization because it looked like it was not only headed in the right direction, it looked like it was, it was headed toward a championship, but then they had the huge hiccup year. So we'll see how they rebound with a new quarterback, and everybody's eager to see who that's going to be. And they've, they've got pieces there on – on defense, yeah, they do, and he's forgotten more defense than many will ever know. Dumb. So, yeah, this is—I think this is a good good move for Jacksonville. I feel like he- head coaches are getting younger and defensive coordinators are getting older. Is well, this a new trend in the yeah, NFL? You know, it's a great point because you look at Dick LeBeau and Wade Phillips and Romeo Cornell and guys like that. And if you have younger offensive coaches, what do you want? Get somebody to coach the defense so I don't have to think about it. You know, with who a lot young, of experience. Yeah, who are the young hot shots on defense? There are some. But it, the experience does mean so much. Plus, we all saw Dom Capers here at the Celebration of Life for Bob McNair back in November. Yeah, we did. He's no decrepit old man. No, no, this no, no, guy, as no, no. Kylie Wong said afterwards, this guy's hammering the lat pull-down machine in the gym. I, mean, he, <laughs> I saw that. I had never seen Dom Capers up close like that yeah. in person. Oh, because you weren't here when I he was here. I wasn't here. His, I mean, he's a rock he's up top his shoulders. I was like, holy He's like cow. Mr. Universe. He's got like a he super... really is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did not see I didn't see him. Oh, you but didn't maybe, see him? Maybe oh, yeah, I saw yeah. him and did not realize that that was him. It was jarring. I mean, it was jarring Lat seeing pull-downs, huh? I mean, just, that's what Kylie said. Does he yeah. do farmer's carries? Because I know you're a big fan he of farmer's carries. He probably does. He probably no, does more than I, I do. I bet he does more lat pull-downs, and that's what Jordy. I, I bet he does more lat pull-downs and more farmer's <laughs> carries than I do. So, yes. He's, I'd it, love to be a fly on the wall with Dick LeBeau in Pittsburgh in the 90s when they bring computers in. Yeah. And they, they, the Steelers didn't have a computer. Dom said he brought the first computer to the Steelers organization. And I don't know what, what Commodore 64 or something like, hey, guys, let's input some things and see what happens. But the Steelers were doing those exotic zone blitzes. I mean, that's the popularization of that type of defense with LeBeau and Capers. He was also in New England for about a year, about or the same time that Bill O'Brien was there. He was there yeah. as a secondary coach. Did he also bring that computerization in New England? Am I Well, am no, I no, no. They, they were there, but uh, with O'Brien talked about, you know, Capers, his organizational abilities, using all the Excel spreadsheets. He's super and everything organized, like that. right? Yeah, and, and I think O'Brien was, uh, was impressed with Dom Capers, who wouldn't be. And it's funny that you have that overlap of those two guys in New England. Capers has worked for a lot. 
lot of teams now. Now, he left here, went to the Miami Dolphins, and he coached a defense that was pretty good with Jason Taylor. That was back mm-hmm. in the day. Zach Thomas is still there. Mm. Jason Taylor won Defensive Player of the Year with Dom Capers coaching that Dolphin defense. He can coach now. So we'll see what kind of impact he has on the Jaguars, who are already a good defense. I mean, even with the horrendous year, they were top five all year. You're looking at the standings and defensive he's, statistics, and they're right there. He's got some tricks up his sleeve, yeah. It's, this is yeah. A, a good move for that organization. Yeah. All right, you mentioned the Steelers. Antonio Brown and the Steelers oh, uh, have agreed that they will work on a potential trade for their star wide receiver. So the trades are not official until March 13. We've seen the tweets that Antonio Brown, I think we even talked about it this time last week. He was tweeting about playing for a new team, and he said his goodbyes to Pittsburgh, and we thought that's funny. He's still he's on still the there. roster and under yeah. contract, but uh, he does not have permission to speak to other teams, but the between him or Art Rooney the second, they met today and uh, they've agreed that he's going to be the traded. Key I think word that's there the is the key word there is work. Work, work on, on it. a deal. That doesn't mean the deal is going to happen because. But how could you bring a guy like that back? Because after all because that? it costs just one million dollars more to bring him back than it does to let him go. Yeah, but you're going to get picks at least. But then you don't have you're, to pay you, him. Yeah, well, the well, ones you want. That's the thing. They the have to you shop and they have to find out what the price is going to be because if they get. I don't know, give me a number. A two? It might be worth it. You know, sure. Cleveland bought a two for $16 million. I know this would be more. But then you get them out of the building, and it hasn't been a happy time. So maybe you just make the best of the situation and get all you can draft choice-wise. Yeah, but if you if there's enough teams out there willing to play the game of poker to just, like, wait. Oh, gosh, what do you do at that point? But yeah, if you're the Steelers, you, I mean. and I'm Because they the, know they're, they're kind of in a corner now. Like, yeah. if they do bring them back – he could just not show up. He won't get paid, obviously. Sure, but I mean, they're losing so but that's ha- much. But that, that just happened last year with Le'Veon Bell. So they've got players that have done it and then end up exactly where they want to be. I, I mean, I've said this before, but I just find it so interesting that you have two of these elite players at their positions and they can't be happy in Pittsburgh. Can't, can't be happy in Pittsburgh like it's Cleveland, like it's Siberia. It's <laughs> Pittsburgh. you got one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. Nope, can't find happiness here. I know with Le'Veon Bell, it's a total contract situation. Brown's working on a nice contract. He, he is working within a nice contract. Bell, no. But the thing about Bell that disturbed me anyway, and look, I don't walk in his shoes, so I can't answer for him, but I don't know how you throw away a whole year and all that money. It's a guaranteed deal, even if that's all you ever got. If you injured yourself and were done, it's still a ton of money, and you lost a year of your life, a year of your career, because it's not a very long or career. Or did he? Maybe back. he thinks he added a year to his career I, yeah. because he preserved his body for I'm that whole year. I'm thinking not. I'm thinking very few running backs can play at an elite level through years 7, 8, 9, 10. You know, some do it, but it's such a minority. You know, it's not everybody's Frank Gore or Adrian Peterson. or You know, these guys are few and far between. All and right. I don't know if he's one of them. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Twitter just makes all of this off-season talk so much better. Yeah. If, if I could just have a show where I was a detective and tried to read between the lines, I would do that. Because yeah. all these free agents are talking, and they're very cryptic. He's not yeah. obviously not one of those guys. He's just yeah. putting it out there. But I think that they I don't know if that hurts them or helps their case. Well, Tyron Matthews is one of them who says love, a lot of things. He and, says a lot of things that he's betting on himself and it's going to pay off and I you know you think does that but, mean does that mean it's going to pay off here? Does that mean it's going to pay off elsewhere? What the does the morning mean? show guys were trying to interpret the tw- the tweets and you can do it either way. You know, you can it say could oh, go that either means way. he's definitely coming back. Oh no, that means he's definitely got. Like I can build a case in either direction That's based a good on tweet. his tweets. That's a good tweet. You can't get yourself in trouble either oh, way. I wonder what Tyron thinks enough. of all that the 
the people parsing <laughs> out his tweet. Because he, he probably he has knows. an interesting... I know, but he has... I'm sure He's he has very an interactive interesting on Twitter. explanation if you were to ask him. That'd be fun to... I think, well, I think should he come back? Should he get re-signed here to a contract? That's definitely going to be something he gets asked. Yes. And I would love to know... Have him right here and ask we're gonna him. Ha- we're going to bring him right back here and say, come all right, back. all those tweets. We had all these interpretations... What was yeah. going on? Can you tell? What can you tell us? Yeah. All right. And, and he might be honest. I mean, J. Joe was honest about his situation last year as a free agent. He talked about Oakland as a possibility or whatever, even though I don't believe. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it could have happened. All right. What is definitely going to happen? John Harris is going to join us for the final segment of this show. Don't go anywhere. The Combine's coming up in a week. John Harris, I'm sure, has a lot to say about it. It's all coming up on Texans All Access. Welcome back for the final segment of Texans All Access. Joining me now, my good friend, John Harris. I like to save the best for last, John Harris. Oh, thank you, DP. That's Welcome. so nice. Welcome in. I know. I know you're lying, but it's nice. No, it's absolutely it's, it's true. It's flattering. Well, especially this time of year, I feel like you're sort of the star of the show. <laughs> this is your this is your time to shine. You shine all year long, but everyone turns to John Harris and the Harris 100. I know I do. Your Harris 100, it's done. It'll be up on the site probably the end of the week, right? It is done. Uh, it's been done for a few days, but the the smart and intelligent people have to now take it and go take all my ramblings and put it into a format that you guys can filter and look at and love. And It's kind of a fluid document, so it probably has already changed in my mind um, from when I submitted it, which was, I think, uh, Monday I submitted. No, not not to, not yesterday, but the Monday before. Last week, because we talked so, about it a little bit. You had just finished it up. Yeah, so. Which is a behemoth task. It is. Finally got it, got that done, and now I'm continuing on from the 100 to the 200 and beyond and looking at players and, and trying to focus that a little bit more on positions the Texans might look at. I know there are probably some that they're probably not going to be as invested in, maybe linebacker. Inside linebacker may not be one that they're going to be invested in as much because of the fact that they've got Bernardrick McKinney, Zach Cunningham, Dylan Cole, that might be a position. So I might not focus on a, an area like that, and which is good because it really is not a deep draft in that respect. But tackles, corners, anybody in the secondary, I'll probably spend a little bit more time on those players. And hopefully can find a diamond in the rough as I have the last few years. Uh, I had the opportunity because I do Southland Conference games to see some of the the players like Tremont Smith, who's a kick returner for Kansas City and was a, a rookie corner for them, uh, who got really – I mean, he had an amazing year for the Kansas City Chiefs. I saw him um, and was like, man, you know, maybe fifth, sixth round, maybe the Texans could take a look at him. But fortunately the Chiefs snapped him up before that. So those are the kind of players – and he went to Central Arkansas. So those are the kind of players that I try and find from here on out because, look, we all know the – we all know the power five players are the players that came from uh, the next, you know, the group of five or whatever it is in the independent schools. But now it's like getting into the FCS schools, like getting into some of those schools that maybe you don't know as much about or or people haven't been following and trying to find some of the diamonds in the rough. And luckily for me, like I said, I get to do some of those Southland Conference games. So I see some of those guys uh, that I get a chance to watch. And a, and a few of them kind of pop off the screen and kind of been sitting on them like, all right, these are my gems. I could talk about them and why I had a chance to see them. Yeah, under-the-radar guys, sleeper yep. guys. I mean, we've got we've got guys that come from schools that you think, how did this guy not get drafted? Dylan Cole. I, mean, I know we've talked about him a ton. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, where he went to school sort of he kept him He didn't get a out. combine invite. I mean, that's that's crazy to me. There's, I mean, I know they have regional combine, but, you know, a guy like that could easily slip under the radar. I, I do like those picks a lot because I think – that's where you can really get a bargain high risk. High. It's low risk, high reward, actually, because you don't really spend a high draft pick on him. But if it works out, you get a guy like Cole who 
who's done some nice things on special teams. He really stepped in, uh, you know, and then Brian Cushing left, and then yep. he solidified his spot on this roster. I know you've seen the Vandermock, and I have. Um, you've talked about it with Mark. You and I have not talked about it. I want to get your thoughts on some of the position groups, and with the combine coming up, there's a lot of drills that we go through, and I always find it very interesting what you're looking at with each drill because you look at it differently depending on the position group. But let's Absolutely. start with the Vandermock. Okay, we Mark posed this question earlier on in the show. If you could take in the first round that the Texans would draft an offensive tackle or any other position, so basically offensive line, offensive tackle, tackle or the field, yeah. what would you pick? I think it's going to end up being tackle because I think there's a lot of depth at the tackle position. I think after we start the new league year and free agency kicks in, the Texans have already re-signed Rashad Charles Henderson, so that's one tackle. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Kendall Lamb. He's a free agent. I don't know if the Texans bring him back, but if the Texans find a way to sign Kendall Lamb back and you sign Rashad Charles Henderson and maybe you add another high-priced free agent at tackle, then I think the answer to that question becomes a little different. I still think you're going to draft a tackle. I still think you have to address that position and just address the offensive line in general, but you've got to, you've got to address that position, uh, I think. So, so you, would you, take, go, you would take offensive tackle? I would take a tackle because you've got – look. That's no, exactly what I said. They, no all matter, took the, they all took the field, and I said, I said offensive tackle because while you have invested, you've got like a lot of picks from a lot of different – methods whether it's free agency or a a low round draft pick or an undrafted you've never it's been a while since you've spent a first round pick on an offensive tackle on offensive lineman on an offensive lineman period yeah i mean the last offensive lineman you put a number one pick in was was Dwayne, 2008 i think it was and it it did really well for you so yeah because nine was cushing 10 was kareem Mm -hmm. 11 was watt 12 was whitney 13 was hop 14 was Clowney, 15 was kevin 16 was Will. 17 was Deshaun. That's right. So you have not invested a first-rounder. Now, you look at the the Patriots' offensive line, and, of course, well, what did the champions have? What did they have? They had a second-rounder, Joe Thune. They had an undrafted guy in David Andrews. Trent Brown was a trade, and he was a later-round guy with the 49ers, in large part because I don't think people thought Trent Brown, ironically, now one of the big key free agents that maybe the Texans will look at. They didn't think Trent Brown liked football. I'll never forget seeing him at the Senior Bowl, DP. He went to the University of Florida, and he's just – you can't miss him. I mean, he's, he would fill up the door frame. But he had this white – like, just blank white helmet on. Like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, he forgot all his equipment, or they didn't send his equipment from Florida. Like, he didn't tell his equipment uh, department that they needed to send his equipment. I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's never going to make it. And he's ended up being a really good tackle. So, they don't have a first-rounder on that on that Patriots. They've got two undrafted guys. they got a second-rounder. So, it's just a matter of but the they mix. But they also have not had a lot of they, – they, they went a few years without first-round picks. Right, they did. They've traded some. Then they've been low in the first round. They got suspended or they got, they got fined. They, right. So, yeah, they, they haven't had a first-rounder to put in. But I think for the, the Texans putting in – I don't think – I don't think just going out and getting a first-round offensive lineman is always the time. I think it's got to be the right fit. It's got to be the right mix. And you don't have to have a first-rounder. Just like the Patriots have shown, you don't have to have a first-rounder at quarterback. You know, they had a six-rounder. That's true. It's that doesn't be a work situation. for everybody, though. Right. It may have worked for the Patriots. It doesn't work necessarily for everybody. We also discussed the fact that if there's a big run on one position group. Right, and, that, and the, the position that could happen ends up being tackle because there are – 
there are a good number. And that's why I do think it will be tackle deep, but I, do, I still think there could be a run on tackles, but I still think there could be one available at 23. And, and why I say that is there's a lot of them. Jonah Williams from Alabama, um, Dalton Reiser from Kansas State, something tackle or guard, who knows. Mark and his Vandermock put Cody Ford to the second round. He's a guard or a tackle. I was like, would you put him? You'd put him more of a guard than a tackle. I think he's probably best suited for guard, but, but I think the, he could play tackle. Now, now, Mark also had him in the second round, right? Uh, that's not happening. That's not happening. Yeah, that's but if they do team. take a offensive lineman in the first round, don't you? Do you think it would be a true tackle? I think it would be a true tackle, but they like guys with versatility. Right but or for left. some, but for some reason, I think they would take a true tackle. Yeah, I think I think a true tackle would would make some sense. But it, look, we always say best player available. I think you end up taking the best lineman available uh, at, at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. And then you get him here and you realize, you know, can that guy play tackle or not? And funny story, we were at the Senior Bowl and we're obviously watching a lot of these tackles there. There were a lot of them at the Senior Bowl. Jim Nagy, the senior executive uh, executive director of the Senior Bowl, did a heck of a job bringing talent and getting talent to show up at the Senior Bowl. And so I happened to be watching with Colts GM Chris Ballard. And as we were watching, we were watching Dalton Reisner from Kansas State. And they they allow the players to a degree to pick what they want to do, especially if it's a crossover guy. And so they try and convince the guy, hey, look, take day one, day two, and do it at this position, and maybe day three go at this position. So there's some crossover work. So teams can see you play different positions and just open up your versatility and show the teams what you can do. And so we were watching Dalton Reisner, and I was watching with our buddy Lance, and, and Ballard was there. And so we're watching Reisner, and so one of us said something about Reisner being a guard. And then I brought up the comment like, yeah, Braden Smith, the guy you turned into a tackle because everybody thought he was going to be a guard. And he looked at me and he went, well, we thought he was going to be a guard too, John. <laughs> I just, really? Okay. Yeah. And so that things can change once you get a guy on your campus. They thought he was going to be a guard, but then the Colts tackle, the right tackle, was just – it was dreadful. They tried a couple of guys in there. It didn't work. And so they moved Braden Smith out there and just said, we got to go with it. We got Give him a shot. He's a second rounder. He played tackle before at Auburn. Yeah, we think he's going to be a guard, but put him on tackle. He ended up having a really good year and probably solidified that tackle position for the next eight to ten years at a minimum for Indianapolis. So and to, to his account, they got lucky too. And I'm not saying that you go into it with the thought that, okay, this guy has to be a tackle or this guy has to be a guard. I think you go in with an idea of we think he's a tackle, so let's go tackle. But maybe he turns out to be a better guard. Or maybe you go in with the thought that, yeah, look, you play tackle in college, but we're drafting you to be a guard. We think you're going to be a guard. And the one thing that I, that hopefully they'll do going forward, and I think with Xavier Suofilo, they kind of got caught in that versatility trap. Because Xavier played tackle at UCLA, but he was not going to be a tackle. We all knew he was going to be a guard. Yeah. But because of some injuries and some things that happened in training camp, he had to kind of bounce between tackle and guard. And I think that probably slowed his progress because he couldn't just hone in, like, let's just be a guard. Let's just learn guard, and that's what you're going to do. So I think it would make more sense to have a guy that is going to be a tackle, and he's a tackle, and that's what you're going to be. There are no questions asked. But there are a few intriguing candidates that could play tackle or guard that might just – they might just uh, tempt you enough at 23 that you might want to do it. I know in a pinch sometimes guards have to slide over to tackle. Sure, tackles yep. have to slide over to guards. But I, I know that several of our tackles in the past have said when they actually felt comfortable, when they really felt like it was they weren't thinking, they were just right. reacting, and it was right. just, you know, it was very natural when they were when they were playing in games what they were supposed to do. 
it was in the third year, and that's with yep. just focusing on the tackle position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is I, that just the case with you think left tackle, right tackle? Because especially left tackle, such an important position. Well, yeah, like f- moving around sort of slows. It, it makes your your learning curve even steeper. It doesn't sound like much, and we used to have a, a friend of ours who writes for the Chronicle, Ken Hoffman. He used to joke with Lance and I about. Oh, left guard versus right guard, or left guard versus left tackle. He's like, you move out 36 inches, it's not that hard. Or you flip sides, oh my gosh. But the way that they'll talk about it, and I think this is so true, is do something one way for a significant amount of your life, however you want to Brush your teeth. You're right-handed, right? Brush your teeth with your right hand. All right, now you have left hand, right? Do with your left hand. And see how difficult that is. Because that's really what you're doing for these guys, relatively speaking. Because the footwork's different. Which foot is back? Which foot you, uh, which foot you you uh, kickstep with? Which hand you punch with? Which hand is being placed on the the rusher? And where that, all of that changes. And that's why I always thought it was interesting with with Julian. I was uh, Julian was the guy that I thought of that you know it's they the, all these guys come out and they want to do what whatever they can right like whether it's right left or right but. They, some of them je- definitely have strengths on one no side doubt. versus another. No doubt. And when he – it was funny because when you would watch him at the Greenbrier that first – his rookie year, and he would go to left tackle, and it's like, oh, boy, here we go. Because we all thought, oh, they drafted him to be a right tackle. He's fourth rounder is going to be right tackle. Because at that point, you thought you were getting Dwayne back, so you thought he's going to be a right tackle. When you see him on the right side, you could just see it was awkward and kind of just didn't flow right. But then he went to the left side, you thought, man, it looks halfway decent. Well, that was just – that was in large part because he was so comfortable there. Everything was right. Just now flip everything. Just think of something that you do every single day, and you do it for your occupation, your job, whatever it might be. Now flip it completely. Like dominant becomes right. You're, yeah. Everything, the dominant side is now flipped. Absolutely. Like, I don't know, fill in your TPS report. It's a 20th year anniversary office space. <laughs> Take your TPS report. I used to and, have to do those. And oh, flip columns. You know, flip columns. And see, how long it, see how long that takes you <laughs> to get a customer. And that's, that's kind of what these guys, oh, by the way, then they've got to block a guy that's 270 pounds that runs a 4-6, throwing moves, throwing hands, strong, fat, all that kind and of stuff. And be instinctive about it. Right. But and, with everything opposite. And that, that, that's really tough. And so I do think that they will look at a tackle I don't know if it's easier to, to go from tackle down to guard. I, I don't know about that. But I think the biggest thing with the offensive line is there were 62 sacks last year. Deshaun took a ton of hits. That group's just got to get better across the board. And if they find a guard they love and they think that guard can push for playing time, then amen, let's go. But I would think more than likely it's going to end up being a tackle position. And the good thing is it's a pretty deep tackle draft, especially in the first couple of rounds. All right. You and I are always at the Combine, and we like to, since they started opening it up to the public, watching these drills together. We've watched the bench press together. That's usually the one that happens. That's really fun. That's really right about. really fun. Very, very close to where our radio booth is set up. Now looking at offensive tackles, I find the media, the press conferences to be very interesting. I feel like when a guy's answering questions, I can kind of tell, like, this seems like a guy that would fit what yes. this staff is looking for. This this guy doesn't. Yeah. It's just the way they answer questions. I mean, I know you can always be coached to answer questions differently, but sometimes, you know, I think those are the guys that are going to impress the coaches or not. What about for you? When you're looking at these positions, what do you think? I know they call it the underwear Olympics and whatnot, but, you know, 40-yard dash, bench press, vertical jump, broad jump, three-cone drill, shuttle run, like, what what are you what are you looking at with each of those? Is there any one that jumps out to you more that you're going to be even more interested in this year? Well, I couldn't care less about the forty for offensive linemen. I really couldn't. I mean, 
you know, that's there's really no – if you go back and look at the guys that have been the fastest in the 40, I don't know if that's translated to how good those players have been. Now, it does at other positions. But what I do look at for the 40 is what is that – what's that 10-yard split for for an offensive lineman? Because they always measure ten, you know, the 10-yard split. How, what's that measurement? Because that an offensive lineman is going to do. The other ones that I like to see for an offensive lineman are the change of direction drills, you know, the three-cone drill, the short shuttle. I like to see those. I like – I like the vertical jump. The vertical jump is just a really? measure of explosion. How okay. how how explosive can you be? And the broad jump can can be the same way. None of these drills, as Orlando Brown proved last year, none of these drills. The, the flip side of it is, if you don't do them well, it doesn't mean you're a bad football player. But if you do do them well, it doesn't guarantee you're going to be a great football player. But what you're looking for are elite assets. And I think some of those drills end up showing it. I couldn't care less what a guy runs the 40 in. What's his 10-yard split? If he's a pretty quick 10-yard split and his short shuttle and his, his three-cone drills are pretty good, that means he's got pretty good feet. He can move, change of direction, uh, those kind of things. Now, receivers, DBs, you want to see the long speed, okay? You want to you know how fast – because we're seeing more teams throw the ball down the field. We want to see how those guys well, run. Well, Will Fuller killed it, and obviously we, we've seen that translate. And that, uh, No question. And I even think – his time didn't even do him justice for how fast he actually is. And I'll never forget sitting right next to him when he was asked what he was going to run the 40 in. He didn't even hesitate. He was like, 4-3-2. And then the next day he ran 4-3-1. It was like, whoa. Like, he called it. Right. And all these other guys had been like, I'm going to run 4-2. I'm going to run 4-2. I'm going to run this. And nobody got close. He was like, I'm going to run 4-3-2. Because that's what he had run in his, his uh, practice run the week or two before. And so that's what he said. He just, you know, you know Will. He just—that's what he said. Yeah, very matter um, of fact. But I—I like—I like the position drills for linemen because just watching. Because the biggest thing I look at is how they move, how they how they look and how they move. Because you can look at offensive linemen. You've seen the guys that come in our our room. You don't have a lot of you know, a lot of people think, oh, three hundred pounds. Yeah, that's a big fat guy. A lot of the guys that you see in our room are not in the locker room. Are not. They're not built like that. So you get a chance to see the, how they're built and then how they move. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest things, uh, how those offensive linemen move. And, look, there might be a guy that goes up there and does, like, six bench press reps or whatever, and, ew, okay, functional strength might be an issue. But Braden Smith, the guy we talked about last year, he did 35 reps. And you can see how that would translate out on the field. And that's the other thing is how a these things all yeah. link up and how that – how those assets actually perform on the field. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do at the Combine, watching the athletes come out and watch, getting our first look at them in person because you never know which one's going to end up on the squad later. All right, Johnny, I'm also looking forward to seeing the John Harris 100 it's coming. on the website, HoustonTexans.com. Check back later this week. That's going to do it for us from inside the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Thanks so much for listening. To Mark Vandermeer, Drew Doherty, John Harris, I'm DPC2. As always, go Texans.